welcome to the Starlight Pet Talk podcast, where we'll talk about and explore ways to help pet parents and future pet parents learn everything they need to know to have a happy and healthy relationship with their pet. So sit up and stay for Starlight Pet Talk, rescue, adoption, and pet parenting done right. Welcome to Starlight Pet Talk. I'm your host, Amy Castro, and today we're talking about pet adoption, but specifically about senior pet adoption. In my experience as a a rescue person and as somebody who has volunteered at shelter for many years, a lot of people go to shelters and rescues looking for puppies and kittens, and they do it for a variety of reasons. I've heard everything from, I want my child to grow up with a puppy and kitten and raise them together, to people that just don't trust that a senior pet is going to behave the way that they want it to behave. And so they want to kind of raise it in their own own image, for lack of a better term. But what I've also found is that not everybody is a good fit for adopting a baby pet. And I feel like, um, and especially I've learned over the years, that there are a tremendous amount of benefits, not only for the human, but for the pet, of considering and adopting a senior pet or an older pet. My guest today is Sherry Franklin, and I was telling Sherry before we started recording that I've been kind of a follower and uh, admirer of hers for a long time. She is the founder and executive director of Muttville Senior Dog Rescue in San Francisco. And she was inspired in the in the 90s when she saw older dogs basically going into shelters and rarely coming back out, or at least not the way that we want them to come back out. And she was really determined to do something about that. And now Muttville is going into its 16th year, which is amazing to me, and on their way to saving more than 11,000 senior dogs. So Sherry, I've got goosebumps having you here. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here as my guest today, and I appreciate you making the time to talk to us about what you're doing out in San Francisco. Well, um, I it's a pleasure to meet you, and any chance I have to, to talk about the wonders of senior dogs, I, I jump on it. So uh, thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. So can you tell us a little bit, I mean, a little bit more about how Muttville came about and what inspired you to put, I know, what has been the blood, sweat, tears, time and effort that it would take to grow it to what you've grown it to today? Well, first of all, it's a lot of passion. It's definitely a labor of love. Um, I was volunteering in animal shelters uh, in the Bay Area for many years. And and actually my first experience with an older dog that I fell in love with, she was a beagle, basset sort of looking dog. And she was like eight years old. And she ended up at the shelter because her guardian had passed away. And when she first arrived, she was happy and waggy. And she was my favorite dog there. So I started walking her every day. Uh, I would go in before I, I was a hairstylist, so I'd go in before work. I'd sometimes go in after work, so I'd make sure she'd get out for a walk. And in the beginning, she was so waggy and excited to see me. And I watched as a couple weeks had gone by, and she had started to lose that glow in her eyes and that happiness. And um, uh, I, you know, still was going there trying to keep that going. And I came in one day, and she was gone, and I was so excited. You know, I was like, she got adopted. And I was like thrilled that, you know, she wasn't there anymore. And then I heard that her time had been up and she wasn't there anymore because she had been euthanized. And like I said, this was in the 90s. And I was 
still, you know, I was in San Francisco, so I was pretty devastated, very devastated, and cried myself to sleep night after night and started working harder and started making plans and said, I'm going to start a nonprofit. I, I knew nothing about nonprofits. And, and uh, so it took a little while, but, you know, actually um, a lot of things started to happen and I started taking dogs home one at a time and finding them home. So I was taking home like the hardest to place dogs. Sometimes they weren't seniors, but sometimes they were super shy or, and I realized that it was pre-internet. Okay. I mean, pre-Facebook. And, um, you know, what we used to do is pin up signs everywhere at like grocery stores and cafes. And I, I tell my hair clients, everybody ended up adopting a dog from me. Um, uh, so, um, I realized, you know, I have a knack for this and I, I really studied a lot about dog behavior and, and senior dog health and, and everything I could learn while I was going from my nonprofit status. So, you know, still jumping sort of off the cliff in a way when, when I started my build, because I wasn't sure were we going to be able to really adopt out the amount of dogs that, you know, I really saw needed us. And, um, and the first, I'll just say, the first year we saved 27 dogs, and I was so thrilled that we could save 27 dogs that would have been euthanized at the shelter. And uh, now we save around um, 1,100 a year. So, um, and we're, we're working with shelters, you know, all over Northern and Central California. And we're also training other shelters and, and other rescues that want to start working on senior dog rescue, we're, we're working with a lot of them and mentoring them on how to do this and how, how, to, how to make it work and just giving them some tips and, and, and cheerleading with them and, and working through their problems. So I like to think that we're not just saving the dogs that come through Muttville, but we're also starting to see a movement across the nation and of course not fast enough for for any of us um but but um we are seeing senior dogs get adopted from shelters rather than having to come to muttville some of those dogs are actually getting homes while they're still at the shelter um so you know we're being able to save more and and reach out further because you know if we were supposed to get five dogs from a shelter this week from one of our shelters and three of them got adopted over the weekends, you know, that sort of thing happened. And in the old days, none of them would have been adopted. So putting them out, marketing them, talking about how wonderful they are has really made a difference in what we're seeing people actually adopt uh, more older dogs. That's great. And I love that education piece. Uh, you know, we at Starlight Outreach and Rescue, which is my rescue, and we don't focus on senior dogs, although they definitely have a special place. Uh, senior pets just in general have a special place in my heart. I usually end up, they end up living here at the rescue ranch, but um, that, that, you know, there's only so much any rescue can do, no matter how grand and how big you are, there's always going to be a physical limitation to how many animals you can house. And so to be able to reach out like you're doing and sharing your, you know, tips for success with other rescues is so important because we all come across senior animals and in rescue, especially you, and maybe not everybody is like this, but I have found since starting the rescue, my rescue in 2017, 
you started off taking, every, you know, if anyone called me, I took it. And I had animals in every bathroom, every bedroom of my house at the time. And then I moved to this. Yeah, I know you started off at your house too. And then, you know, my family moved and committed with me to this rescue thing in 2018. And we moved to seven acres and we've got an outbuilding for cats and we've converted the garage and there's still not enough space. You know, it's like there's only so much space. And so to extend that knowledge to other organizations is, is huge. It's just super important. I I think in the uh, sheltering side of things like you and in rescue and animal sheltering, I feel that I have camaraderie with everybody because we all love the old dogs. It's, it's very funny. I mean, not everybody rescues them, but you know, when we get our calls, I'll go, we got a special little girl in today or, uh, you know, so um, I think it's the shelters also that are starting to, you know, really like open up their hearts, which then spreads mm-hmm. out. But I also feel that, you know, what we do is we have a foster base. So our dogs, we have a shelter. And uh, we have adoption events where all the dogs get dropped off and we have these open houses every week. Uh, But we also have over 300 foster homes. Not that they're all active at the same time because that would be crazy. It would still be so much work for us. But uh, we do have a larger capacity for care because we have all of these lovely foster homes that we've built through the years. And I'm, I'm not saying they all foster at the same time, but if there was, and when there has been a, a catastrophe of some sort, where, when we're bringing in dogs from uh, a hurricane or the fires or uh, anything like that, uh, we reach out to all, all of our fosters and they're, you know, they're all like so willing to help. Um, so, you know, if there is a hoard, we take in hoarding situations. I'm sure you probably have seen a lot of that in Texas. Um, and when we have to do that, we have uh, a community of people that will step up. And I, I highly recommend that any animal rescue organization, whether you have a shelter to shelter them, really start reaching out to your community and get a lot of fosters because those foster families not only give, you know, these dogs a great place to stay, they also help in the adoption process. They give you a lot more information. So your, your adopter feels, oh, I'm getting so much more information because the dog's living in a home rather than living at a shelter. And I think that's one of the barriers that a lot of people feel about bringing in a senior dog from a shelter. They don't, they get no you know, nothing. They they don't get a lot of information. But when you actually have a dog in a foster home, people are just more comfortable in in adopting that dog. So foster huge. And not only that, they tell their friends, they put it all over their Instagram and their Facebook of their new foster dog. They sometimes end up adopting the dog or one of their friends adopt the dog. So, you know, it, they help in the adoption process overall as well. So that's been really helpful for us. Yes. I think that's, that's a key for a lot of the rescues that I see in here in Texas is that, you know, not every, most of them don't have a building or a storefront. It's, you know, we, we were, until we moved here, we were completely foster based and really it is, as a matter of fact, right now outside, that's why I've got my, my headset on and hoping you're not hearing noise. We're constructing a, another, another building. It's going to basically increase our ability to care for dogs by about 400%. Oh. 
Um, of course I've got the, of course I've got the cart ahead of the horse because I'm building the building and I haven't even started the fundraiser for it yet, but, uh, but we're working on it. You mentioned the idea of that first dog and how, you know, it ended up in the shelter because the owner passed away. And I get calls like that every single day. And I know that's a huge reason why senior pets find themselves in shelters, but what else do you, you know, what are some of the other things that you see as to why so many senior pets end up in shelters? Well, a lot of, a lot of things, especially right now, um, you know, people are feeling displaced. Um, somebody goes into a nursing facility, uh, two people, uh, have to move in together, two family members, and they both have dogs and the dogs don't get along. So there's a housing issue, the housing issue, there's, there's the veterinary costs, uh, which uh, we're trying to work through that and, and talk to people about sort of a spectrum of care and, 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 and saying, you don't need to go get an MRI on your 12-year-old dog. You know, the vet may say that, but let's just talk you through this. So trying to keep dogs in the home when they have a health issue rather than having them being given to the shelter or given up to us. And we have managed to work through that with quite a few people that never really thought there was an alternative to the the Cadillac of care, which is the super expensive, especially here in San Francisco, the veterinary costs are just like the cost of living here. It's, it's a lot. And so if you've got a senior person living on a fixed income, and we get a lot of dogs from seniors, but you know, anybody that's on a fixed income or living paycheck to paycheck becomes can become overwhelmed pretty quickly with the cost of veterinary care. So uh, we're working on educating people on on what is what how far do you have to go and how much do you have to spend and do you need all those tests and 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 let's talk about keeping your dog comfortable and happy and and giving it a great quality of life without getting an MRI. So and we see hoarding situations. Um, you know, out now, out in um, the Central Valley and, and uh, Eastward, they're picking up stray dogs off the street, old dogs. I just, I have a dog here who was picked up at, on a freeway. She was picked up in Oroville and she was on the street, you know, like this devastates me. And uh, I take home the real broken dog. So I'm like you, I, <laughs> I keep all the, I have nine dogs here right now and they're all laying in beds around me. So there are people that are thro- just not throwing out. I, I don't want to say because who knows what the reason is, but we are seeing more strays as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's tough trying to label it. But at the same time, I think probably there's a certain level of I'm desperate. I have no place to turn. Maybe if I release yeah. the animal, somebody like you is going to pick it up because I'm kind of I'm kind of like you. I actually wrote a blog post about this years ago about having a uh, a syndrome called pumpkins without stem syndrome, and it stems from going to the pumpkin patch back east and picking your pumpkin for Halloween. And I'd always pick a good looking one. But at the same time, I'd always convince my mother, can I take that one that doesn't have a stem or the one that has warts or whatever it is? Because yeah. it's like, I feel bad for it. It's going to be I left say, behind. I say tap so, into all the people that feel that way. You'd be surprised how many there are out there that really want to help and take the dog that's been there the longest or the dog with the worst skin or the ugliest one or the one with three legs or the one with one eye or yeah. So, so what do you, what do you attribute your success to? Um, I mean, 
gosh, if I could have, <laughs> and we've got great fosters, don't get me wrong, but I, I definitely need more dog fosters, which for some reason we can't seem to round up, but you have so many. And like you said, they may not be active all at the same time, but how do you find people that are willing to take in senior dogs? And then I know you do a lot of hospice foster and not everybody wants to do that. How do you, how are you finding these people? Well, first of all, the hospice, we do a hospice adoption. We don't do hospice foster. We oh, hospice, people, okay. Uh, we started out doing hospice or hospice foster, but we we soon realized that, you know, people grow to love these dogs and want to be able to make decisions for these dogs. Uh, we do find that what we do cover is we cover palliative care for the dog. We have a, we will cover wellness exams for the hospice dog. We will cover comfort care, you know, palliative care. Uh, we will cover euthanasia um, for the dog. So the cost isn't extreme. Sometimes I think that our hospice dogs get adopted even more quickly than some of our regular dogs. We have people that come back time and time again and take hospice dogs. And I think it's about our communication around that. We talk about how these dogs can teach us so much and how being able to offer this as a gift. It's not for everybody. And we talk about the fact that right. it's not. You'd be surprised how many people step up. And after they do it once, they want to do it again. They feel it's very rewarding for them. And, it, and it's not going to cost them a lot of money. Um, right. It's the way we talk about it and the way we market it. And, I mean, even families with children mm. are adopting hospice dogs. And that, you know, talk to their kids about a good death, how life is, and then you have death. And, you know, maybe it's San Francisco, but, you know, you'd be surprised how many families actually do talk about it with their children. Mm -hmm. So they're all over the map with that. But I think it's, we don't, we're, we don't hush hush about it. And we're very transparent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what brings more people into hospital. As far as fostering goes, I think one of the things that has helped us with our foster program is that our turnover for adoptions and our length of stay is less than a month. So most mm. foster families know that their, their commitment, you know, if they want to take a vacation in June, they could foster a dog right now. Right. You know, they have their foster dog for six months. Um, that wasn't always the case. I think it's, become, you know, we've become sort of the go-to place for an older dog. So, and we've, I said, we made senior dogs sexy. People are now <laughs> asking for senior dogs and asking for a dog that's a little more mature. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so we're seeing adoptions happen more quickly. So therefore, we have more fosters because they're going, oh, well, I can foster for a month. Right. So that's been helpful in getting more and more fosters together. And also, if a foster takes a dog home, they realize it's no, we don't, you know, we supply everything, food, dog, mm -hmm. meals, dog beds, everything. So medical care, we have a vet clinic on our property, Muttville Vet Clinic. So I feel that all of that helps people in making that decision to come and foster a dog with Muttville. I think that support, you know, when you're trying to recruit volunteers and we, we try to do the best we can with it too, being able to provide that support and provide what people need because it is a bit of an unknown when you're getting, well, anytime you're fostering, you know, there's a certain level of unknown about how this is going to play out, but especially with a senior pet that might have additional needs beyond a, you know, three-year-old healthy pet that just kind of needs food, water, exercise for the most part, sleep. Um, 
that alleviates a lot of a lot of the concerns. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why people give up seeing your pets too, is just the like you said, the expense of mm-hmm. the care as they as they age. I think it's also interesting you you made the point about families wanting children to learn what end of life might be like, you know, for an animal. And it's interesting that so many times when people are looking for a puppy, it's what do I want my kid to learn? I want my kid to learn responsibility and I want them to learn this and I want them to learn that, which of course you know, may or may not play out depending on whether they really make them poop or scoop or whether that kind of goes by the wayside. But what could be a better education than learning empathy and care for an animal that needs that additional help and the privilege of being with an animal at the end of its life and and having it with you in your home and not sitting in a cage at a shelter just waiting to die? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's part of the reason I think so many people are stepping up these days mm-hmm. to, to do that. I'm a hospice mom. I most, most of my nine dogs here are hospice dogs. I have a team, a small team, committed team that comes to my house still that are all volunteers that I said, just sit here and hold the dog. Some of them go for like a short 10 minute walk. I mean, most of them don't need a lot more than that. It's rewarding. I mean, people love doing that. My little team here, you know, they look forward to their day that they come and do that. So, you know, it's an easier thing to do than have a dog that needs, you know, an hour or two of exercise every day, right? Exactly. One of the things that I hear down here with people adopting older pets when I'm trying to encourage them to at least consider is that they have anxiety or fear around losing, like, even if it's somebody who's 75 years old, they're worried about losing that pet too soon. They want to have this long life with their pet. How do you get past that? Or do you not face that with people out there? Well, it's, it's a, it's interesting here. I think there's been a learning curve around that. I feel like we are seeing, especially in this in San Francisco, I mean, it's hard to have a puppy here. And, and we talk a lot <laughs> about uh, when we talk to our senior, we have a special program, senior for senior program. And what we like to really stress is that a lot of our dogs have come from homes with a senior and they're already used to being in a senior home. So that's like a, a win-win for the dog, for the for the senior that's adopting. Um, yeah. We are very transparent about health issues with each dog. Um, and no dog has a guarantee on health. None of them. You know, mm-hmm. you get a puppy that gets bone cancer. I mean, a four-year-old dog that gets bone cancer. You know, yeah. could, you know, there's all sorts of things that can happen. I mean, I think that some of our dogs that are seven years old are too much for a senior sometimes. And like that dog Mm -hmm. needs a lot of exercise and it's seven. And I think (laughs) some of the seniors that want to adopt can can handle that amount of exercise with the dog. So Mm -hmm. depending on lifestyle, depending on so many things, but I think pushing out that we do a special adoption for seniors has been really a wonderful way to get the word out that we have special adoption counselors that work with our senior senior population, people over 65. They get a special volunteer. She's a volunteer. She's um, She's been our Seniors for Seniors adoption counselor for years. She's a senior. She has five dogs, I think. So she's very <laughs> adept at sort of talking to to one-on-one with a senior or maybe a senior and the caregiver or a senior and their daughter or son who's helping them find the right dog, um, mm-hmm. match make with them and find out what the needs are. You don't need a puppy that you're going to trip over either. 
puppy's going to jump on you and maybe you're going to fall down and break a bone. Um, so there's a lot of different aspects of, of um, getting the word out and talking about why, why an older dog is better for a senior. Not everybody's going to listen to you. I hear stories all the time. <laughs> say, why? I don't know why my neighbor just got a puppy. It just kills me. They should have adopted from Muttville. I told them about Muttville. So you can't save them all, you know, but you, yeah. you, know, you, you put the message out there. You talk about your program. Uh, this is what we did to, to really bump up our senior for seniors adoptions, which now make 25% of all of our adoptions are to seniors. Um, last week, 30% of our adoptions were to senior citizens. So I think it, it's a marketing issue as much as anything else. So it is an educational market. It all goes back yeah. to that, really. Yep. And we, and we run into that too with, with cats and dogs with the, you know, people wanting to adopt kittens. And it's like, I, I think one of the things, and I was in, in an episode that actually will air before this one was talking to a trainer about, and he even, he said, I just took in this puppy. I don't know what I was thinking because it's been a long time since I've had a puppy. People, I think people, it's like childbirth, right? You forget, <laughs> you forget how, uh, how it was. And then you have another one. I personally didn't forget and didn't have another one, but some people do. And I think you don't realize you forget how much work that puppy is, or you forget that those kittens do like to take a flying leap and climb your leg. And if you're a senior citizen, like you said, the tripping issue, uh, you know, thinner skin that, you're, you know, now you're bleeding. <laughs> you're, yeah, exactly. So, and that can be a challenge for anybody, but um, especially, you know, could be a safety issue, like you said, for, for seniors. So if you were going to help me down here in Texas to market the benefits of adopting a senior dog. Well, they're grateful <laughs> and you, you know, you're saving a life. And I think that more people are coming to realize that senior dogs are dying in shelters at a higher rate sometimes than others or sitting in the shelter and spending their last days there in, you know, if it's a no kill facility and they just hold on to a senior dog until it's no quality of life or whatever, you know, the reasons, what you need to do is get the reasons out to your community. So right. you know, the reasons tell stories. If you have Facebook and Instagram, Get yourself a following, you know, like get get some youngsters that really know how to how to handle Instagram. Like I don't personally do the Instagram, <laughs> post, but I have yeah. people who can do that, you know. Um, tell the stories, tell the wonderful stories of these dogs, and tell people like you can always teach an old dog new tricks. You know, they love Netflix, or just tell the story, the real stories. You know, the real stories yeah. of some of these dogs are so compelling. We actually got a TSA dog, a dog that used to be trained to sniff out things at TSA, and she's uh, 15 years old, and uh, she spent and dedicated her life to doing that. And now she's homeless, and we're going to find her a good home. So, you know, telling some stories about some of these dogs and talking about, in a very positive way, about mm -hmm. all wonders and the beauty of adopting an older dog. And I think there are so many... And everyone's different. So people are touched by different things. Some people are touched right. by the fact that this dog lived with, you know, with the man till he passed away. And they want that dog because right. that's what they're, ta that's, you know, they go, oh, my God, he dedicated his whole life and now he's alone. Some people are really touched by the fact that the dog was found on the side of the road. And that's the dog they want. We have them all. We have dogs from the side of the road. 
which is so sad. But we, you know, we sort of celebrate the fact, not that they came from the side of the road, but now they have their opportunity to have a second chance. And I think that's, that all goes to telling the story and marketing, um, marketing and, and photos, lots of photos. We just put up a, a, we're calling it the WAG cam. A friend of mine, his wife passed away. Her, their last name is Wagman. That's their real oh, name. Wow. <laughs> and it's the Wagman WAG cam. And uh, we put that up in our shelter. We just, we have people watching it all day. So mm. even though it only shows one place in our whole, well, you know, we're cage free. We've been cage free since right. 2012. I think uh, uh, 2011, uh, we were, we opened our shelter and we've been cage free the whole time. So, um, you know, showing, showing a human friendly place where people can come and not be depressed by what they see, but be able to, to touch the dogs be able to see that the dogs are happy at the shelter. So we have this cam that's on, you know, four hours a day and people watch it all the time. I'm, and we just put it up like a month ago and I'm getting emails like, I keep it on my background at work all day. <laughs> so uh, like that, um, we yeah. the word out. And, you know, especially if you really want to attract a lot of people that don't, that aren't in your circle, right? Is social media. Yeah. You you know, you make an excellent point. We do a huge percentage of our fundraising on Facebook. And again, we're tiny compared to you guys as far as a rescue goes. But um, it's always such a crapshoot, for lack of a better term. You have this video, you have a story, whatever it might, and, and what appeals to who and how much. Right. It's, it's so interesting. And I think, you know, and we've done so many posts because there are so many benefits of, of adopting a senior pet. The fact that they're, if they're not house trained, they're easier to house train than a puppy. They're not going to chew on your shoes. They're, you know, they, they're going to sleep more, maybe less exercise. There's so many benefits for a lot of people with their, with their lifestyles. And you can tell them that all day long and they still will turn around and say they want a puppy. But I think that you make a good point. If you give them a compelling, and, and I, we, we use the term story. It's interesting that in not only in rescue, but also in my world as a, as a speaker, it's like people are, are swayed by story. They like story. They're going to remember the story. Story doesn't mean made up. Story could be a true story. Oh, and so absolutely. sometimes the truth is, yeah, sometimes the truth is better than anything you could make up. I, it, mean, uh, it. <laughs> we, I mean, when I say, when I say makeup, I, I'm, I guess I'm talking about things like we, uh, Love sunsets on the beach, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Embellish something. But the stories that we have, we don't need to, we just need to write them in a certain way or tell them in a certain way. Right. um, And put the positive spin on it. You know, like yesterday, this blind dog was found. Now it's sitting at my feet. You know, this, this sort of five days ago, this dog was living with his guardian and he passed away. And now the dog's at the shelter. But guess what? It's coming to Muttville. So it's always putting that positive spin on on the dog and on the story of the dog so that people will see like they're like, oh, God, he lived with somebody for so long. Or, you know, it's it's what touches everybody is is different. Right. I want the broken mm-hmm. dog. I like the really broken dog <laughs> uh, with the really sad background that that tends to be the dog that I'll take home. Um, you know, we, we get hoarding dogs and and. We get puppy mill dogs and people love to be able to help. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So it's getting the word out and it's, 
it's educating your public. And I think the trend, I, I've seen it change in the past 16 years or 20 years. I've been doing rescue, you know, because I was doing it one at a time for a long time. But I've seen a tremendous amount of change in people coming to rescue, people coming to Muttville, people going to shelters and asking for a senior dog. We get people that say, oh, the SPCA sent us over to you because we said we wanted a senior dog. Mm. You know, you didn't hear that. That's great. Years ago. You did not ever. Nope. So, no. um, you know, and that might just be um, in San Francisco, but I, I don't think so because we get dogs yeah. way, way out there and their dogs are getting adopted now too. You know, the whole concept of, of rescuing, you know, it used to be, oh, I'm so proud of my purebred dog that I paid XYZ dollars are. And you're seeing more and more over the last, for sure, 10 years where people, I've had people talk about rescuing a dog, but they really just got it from their neighbor. It's like, okay, that's what you yeah, <laughs> just no, saved so it from your true. neighbor. But yeah, that's it's like, I, I'm proud. I'm a rescuer. And look at what, you know, look at where this animal came from and look how awesome I am. And it's like, that's, great you know because you are awesome when you rescue true you know i have to tell you a funny story we used to always do this big big horse show um it was um it's like an international horse show it's called the menlo circus club horse show and we would be the the only dog rescue for years we were there and we would have a pen with all you know maybe 15 dogs in it and all the kids would come over and they, you know, we let the kids come sit with the dogs. And I cannot tell you how many children said, oh, we have two rescue dogs. I mean, they brag about their rescue dogs <laughs> instead of bragging about their whatever it was. Um, right. They were like, oh, you know, we just rescued a dog too. And, and I just, I was blown away because these are people that could, you know, fly to Europe and pick up a dog, which, you know, we, we can, we aren't going to Some do. Yet, I <laughs> yeah. know, right? But um, it's really, really cool how, how much that's changed, you know, that, that they actually are bragging about their rescue dog. And I've seen it firsthand myself. Pretty good. Yeah. That's great. Especially for the child to say that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're they yeah. Grow up and rescue dogs, too. Yes. And we need, we need more of us. <laughs> we definitely need more of us. So what's on the plate for the future of Muttville? Any exciting things? I mean, obviously I know you've always got exciting things going on because I watch your videos, but uh, what would you like to share with us that people might want to keep their eye out for, for the future okay. of Muttville? <laughs> well, we have big news. We mm -hmm. have bought a campus in San Francisco about uh, four blocks from where we are now. So we bought a campus of, well, it's we call it a campus because it's three buildings with an outdoor courtyard. It is going to house our vet clinic. It is going to house a community center. We are completely cage-free, like we are now already cage-free, but in a much larger sense and very flex space. Um, we are going to make this a very human friendly, a place where people will want to come. It's being designed, interior designed by my friend, Ken Falk, who is, uh, he does human places. He hasn't done animal shelters, but he's done boats and hotels and everything. But this is going to be very magical, very happy, very upbeat, very colorful. 
um, space for humans and all of our dogs too. So we are going to have a doggy daycare for foster dogs. So when people are want to foster but really work all day, they can drop their dog off at Muttville, and so their foster dog would would be available for adoption that day. So we'll be open for uh, we do we have humane education. We have a seniors for seniors uh, cuddle club. We call it for uh, mostly for isolated seniors, and they come and they get to volunteer, cuddle dogs, walk dogs, just hang out. Um, so this is going to be a super change in the whole old way of doing animal sheltering, which is not so people friendly and people don't want to really go there. This is going to be, we already are that, but with our new space, it's, you know, we're really thinking and doing everything that we wanted to do in, in the space we're in, but we'll, we're going to do it on a major scale. Um, we're in the process of building. It'll be done this year. Um, and it's going to be truly amazing. We'll have grooming, uh, right now we do grooming, but it's it's like in a basement, little basement area. We'll, we'll actually have a grooming, a space for grooming. We want to do um, job training for you know youth and uh, do a lot of uh, outreach um, and be able to take more animals. I mean, as you know, you know, being able to step up more and more, um, and the need never seems to go away. In fact, right now I feel like the need is stronger than ever. Um, and so to be able to have that capacity to save more lives and to, to have more adoptions because we're going to be, you know, introducing more and more people to what we do. And, um, it's just so, so, so exciting. So keep watching. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. You know, we already have a, a, a vet clinic, and we can do most things, but we're going to, um, you know, we have, we do surgeries in-house now. It's really brought our cost of cost per dog down. Uh, but we're going to be able to do a lot more um, with our clinic uh, than we, than we do now. So a lot of our um, outsourcing will, will not have to happen. So that's also going to save some money so we can save more lives again. Yeah. The money aspect. It's so important anytime you can bring something in-house and, and save some money. I mean, it just adds to the number of, of lives you save. That's uh, so important. The other thing that's really nice about having a vet is that we get dogs, and I don't know if you do, Amy, but we get dogs that are sometimes in really bad shape, medical shape, and we are able to deal with their pain and do. sometimes we do emergency surgery the day they arrive. And um, being able to, to alleviate pain and suffering and also be able to do emergency surgeries, nothing has been better for us than, than having that um, in-house. And I, I know not every rescue can do that, but as you grow, it's something I, I really talk a lot about in a senior rescue anyway, is that to have the ability to call on a vet at, at, at a moment's notice is, is so important. Yeah, it's it's huge. And we've been super lucky. We've had relationships with several veterinarians and veterinary practices. But I will give a shout out to Dr. Zhu at Family Animal Hospital. 
she actually had her had a rescue called Zoo's Rescue, and we merged. Um, I want to say it was last year. It's all been a blur, but we merged, and and she's always been super supportive of rescue. But it, you know, and it's not like she runs out to my house necessarily, but she's been tremendous in her support of the rescue and emergency situations. Um, we even had a a dog that we brought in named Daisy a while back, and you know, we got this call of this found a dog and it's having puppies. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I heard that before <laughs> until, until they say, and there is a puppy stuck. Like it's partly born oh, and partly not. Yeah. And it's like, how do you deal with that? You know, and, and I, you know, I worked for a vet for eight years, but I, you know, I'm no veterinarian. And so to have a vet that's willing to go above and beyond after hours or whatever it might be is enormous, but even better, you know, if they're on staff and you can be working with them on a daily basis, maybe we'll, we'll grow to that point at some point, but yes, veterinary support is huge. It was our largest, it still is our largest uh, budget line item. So, um, because now we hired the vet and, and vet techs and we have a surgery suite and everything else, but all in all, it saves, lives it saves money it also um supports you know what we do and what we do is we want dogs to to thrive we don't want dogs to be in pain those are like two really really important things and and to to have them needed to you know really be able to focus on that is so important yeah Definitely. So if people, and I, I'm going to put links up in the show notes for the show, but uh, is there is there any particular place that you want to direct people like, hey, I want to learn more about Mutt Village. So they go to your website, Facebook. Well, I What's think the best place? The, the most important thing is, is if you want to learn more about Muttville, go to muttville.org. And that's not Muttsville. It's Muttville, no S, uh, muttville.org. And then, you know, for following us on a day-to-day basis and, and, we have a pretty good Instagram following okay. and uh, also Facebook. Of course, we post all of our adoptions. We post all of the dogs coming in. So you get to, you can stay minute to minute, uh, you know, involved. We love to have visitors. So, you know, be in touch if you want to visit Montville. We, if you're in the Bay, if you're visiting the Bay Area and you want to visit Montville, you know, let us know. We'd love to see you. Yeah. Uh, hopefully by the end of the year, we're going to be in our new facility, our new campus, and um, then we'll just love to show it off. We're going to just, we want to be, we are going to be what the world needs in animal sheltering, which is a cage-free, very comfortable place for dogs and people to yeah, and I have to say from, you know, again, just looking at it from an outsider standpoint, I think you're already there. You're just going to 2.0, yeah. <laughs> the 2.0 version, because yeah, you guys exactly. are, are are the gold standard, I think, for, for senior pet care. And thank you for doing all that you do. Is there any other final points that you want to make? <laughs> Adopt a senior pet because you will not only be doing such a great thing for the dog, but you will do a great thing for yourself and your family and your home. Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, definitely, sure. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for being here and for sharing about what you're doing at Muttville and the value of adopting a senior pet. I think it's a, an inspiration and a message that more people need to hear. So thank you so much. Oh, gosh, Amy, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. 
All of you listeners out there, if you enjoyed this episode and you've enjoyed other episodes of Starlight Pet Talk, you know, we're new. So please help us get off to a great start. And also to help more pet parents learn about all of the things that we talk about in the show. So share this podcast with your pet loving family, with your friends and colleagues. And as I always like to wrap up and say, if you don't do anything else this week, give your pets a hug from us. You've been listening to the Starlight Pet Talk podcast. We're glad you joined us to gain new insight on the many loving ways to adopt and care for your pets. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And if you want more information, go to starlightpettalk.com because your pet can't talk. Be sure to join us next time for Starlight Pet Talk.